welcome to the nerd party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop. Punch it. Punch that shit. Let's punch it. everybody and welcome to episode four of punch it my name is charlotte schmidt and with me as he always is is tristan riddell we have another fantastic episode coming up for you today we're going to talk about yet another one of my shows that i have just been dying to talk about with you and that is bob's burgers bob's burgers okay so now with this show I, I, I gotta ask you i cannot remember for the life of me so you can lie to me if you want am i the one that told you <laughs> to watch this show. Well, you were one of many people to tell me to watch this show because I got into this show not that long ago. I want to say a year ago. And I think, however, you were the catalyst to finally get going and watch this show. And once I started watching it, and I was watching it with my husband, Patrick, we both loved it and we binged through everything we possibly could. And now we're all caught up and watching episodes as they come out on Fox. Now, I don't know if I know your backstory with this show. So when did you get into it and how long ago? All that. Oh, man, it was. Um, I'm trying to think because it was on for it was on the air for a couple of years before I got into it, because for those of you who don't know, Bob's Burgers is a great American animated sitcom. And this is how Wikipedia describes it. The series centers on the Belchers, parents Bob and Linda, and their children, Tina, Jean, and Louise, who'd run a hamburger restaurant. The family was conceived by Bouchard, Lorraine Bouchard, after he developed home movies. So it's it debuted on January 9th of 2011, and there's been 111 episodes so far. Woo! So they crossed that 100-episode threshold. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they did that last season. And this is... So there's been... They're on season seven, I believe. And... Yes. This is one of those shows... I'm going to answer your question. This is one of those shows <laughs> that... Like, last year, I actually start, I tweeted... Like, last season, I tweeted, and I said, I was like, I cannot believe that we're in season six... And Bob's Burgers is just as strong as it was in the first season. And then the official show count tweeted me back and said, oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cute. And so I I think it was season four when I got on. So, I mean, we're on season seven. So I haven't been a long time, just a couple of years I've been watching it. But it's been on Netflix. And I think that that's how I got into it is that. No one actually told me to watch it. No one said, oh, you got to watch Bob's Burgers. No one was hitting me over the head like you. Where (laughs) what happened was the girl and I, we were looking for a show to watch. And what we do is we really like to watch a sitcom before bed. Like something that we can just shut our brains off and and then just let it wash over us. And like we do that with like American Dad or that 70s show or Frasier. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll try Bob's Burgers. That looks like a, like a stupid show, like on the level of Simpsons or something like that. And then we started <laughs> watching it, and we weren't really on board. Like the first three episodes, we were just kind of like, eh, do we, do we keep going with this? You know, this isn't really clicking with us. By episode four, we were absolutely hooked, and we had to stop watching it at nighttime. We, like, we couldn't watch it before bed because we were so entertained. We're like, okay, now this is, this is going to be new appointment viewing. 
Okay, so the first three episodes did not impress you that much, but season four was a major clincher for you? No, episode four. Or I'm sorry, episode four. Sorry, yes. I do believe so. Like, if I'm remembering correctly, like, I'm going to go back. I'm looking at it right now. And, yeah, it was... Okay, so the first episode, you have Human Flesh, which is them... Like, there's a rumor spreading around that they serve Human Flesh at the restaurant. The uh, the crawl space episode that was actually going back. I actually do enjoy watching that one, but I didn't know the characters well enough to enjoy that one because that's one where Bob literally gets caught in the crawl space. And right, right. I hated the episode Sacred Cow. I still don't like it. And really? Yeah, and that's the one where they somehow get a hold of a cow and it gets trapped upstairs. And it wasn't until sexy dance fighting where the uh that's such a great title yeah i know right yeah sexy dance cow i mean i'm on board just with that like that's the uh his name is gyro i think yeah his name is gyro he's a brazilian dancer who has this weird kind of dance class called a copiera oh right yes i remember this episode it's good yeah and he like tina the one of the daughters becomes obsessed with him and spends way too much time with him and bob doesn't like it and there's the, like he has this long ponytail, and like whenever he does this sexy dance fighting, he's he's like, hoop, hoop, Brazil, Brazil, yeah. <laughs> and he just says that his country's name over and over again, and that's when it hooked me because I just kept laughing at that, and that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna keep going. And then after that, we have, you know, hamburger dinner theater, oh yeah, the one where Bob becomes a cab driver, and the the art crawl episode, spaghetti western, and meatballs. So it just hit after hit after episode four. Nice. So what I want to know next from you, because I know my answer to this question is, what is it about the show that you love so much? Because we've not talked about Bob's Burgers really a whole lot, just between the two of us. uh, And yet we both have this mutual love for it. Now's the time. We've got to get this on the record. What I love about this show is that it takes... How do I put this? When, When you look at some very popular adult-oriented sitcoms, animated sitcoms. You have Simpsons, American Dad, Family Guy, Cleveland Show. Like, you know, you you have the Seth MacFarlane rock block and you have Matt Groening and everything like that. Yeah, well, and that's all on Fox, too. Yeah, and that's all on Fox, just like Bob's Burger. So you look at Fox's shows of animated sitcoms, the family unit is a horrible family unit. It's dysfunctional they don't like each other they're mean to each other they're rude to each other they're straight up hateful and just just ugh, they're just disgusting towards each other simpsons can sometimes be an exception i mean there are heartfelt moments but overall i mean like the homer bart relationship can get really gruff and especially when it came on the 80s people didn't like it but with bob's burgers this is a genuine family with genuine love like they're out of this world characters but Bob loves Linda. Bob loves his wife. And Linda loves Bob. Mm-hmm. And they love their kids dearly. They care about them. They they worry about them when they're out late. They make their Halloween costumes for them. They, they all work together on the restaurant. And that's one of the many reasons why I love it is because of the family dynamic. And on top of that, the uh, the humor is not trying to offend you. The humor is not trying to be over the top. The humor is not trying to be angsty let's be pushy let's let's push the envelope let's be as nasty as possible let's see what we can get away with no like this is a this is a show that is very much family friendly 
in the realm of like kind of how Shrek was, where there are certain things that yeah you know like we'll go over kids heads but there's certain things that aren't appropriate for children but overall it's pretty safe what, what do you love about the show first of all i love the creativity yes it's an animated show so they take certain liberties but one thing i just absolutely adore and i feel that keeps the show going so strong is they always have these incredible ideas that they play with like for one thing the whole dinner theater with linda mm-hmm. in those early episodes and then i think uh of the more recent episodes where, uh, uh, I hope I'm not spoiling anything for anybody, but when one of Louise's stuffed animals comes to life and yeah. it has a whole, we have some adventures there. I mean, they keep doing this. They keep thinking of incredible ways to keep this interesting and fun. But I also just love and adore what you said about the Belcher family. They are likable people. They love each other. They are kind of a quirky and unusual family, but what family isn't? And mm-hmm. they're all great. They're, there's a reason to appreciate each one of those characters and then watching their dynamic play out with each other and then also within their their city. That it's, it's just so good. It's so good. It's so well designed. It's always fun and interesting. It's also a very musical show. Yes. Oh, very much. There's always, uh, there's not always, but I should say that uh, at the end of the episode, there's usually an original song by the show creators or by, by the cast singing or like they'll, they'll put together one of, the, one of the side characters are singing. Like I'd say nine times out of ten, you get an original song at least during the end credits. And mm-hmm. more often than not, you get an original song in the show, whether it's Gene creating something on his, on his keyboard or... <laughs> yeah. You know, like a, a Tina singing something. Or sometimes you'll just have a musical episode with a musical number. Oh, yeah, that's been done before. Sure, yeah. Well, and Linda loves to be musical. And uh, even Louise gets in on the action. I think maybe Bob is the only one that's not really that into that aspect of things. <laughs> but that also makes it kind of funny because it, we all know that person. And in fact, in my family, I am that person. I'm not musical. I cannot sing. I would not subject anybody to that just for their own sake. Yeah, that's another thing that makes it so much fun. And one thing that I do appreciate about the end credits being so original like that, I mean, you can tell that the people who put this show together put a lot of tender love and care into it. That takes a lot of freaking work. And one of the easiest places they could possibly skimp out on, of course, is the end credits. We wouldn't care. We wouldn't know any different mm-hmm. if they didn't change things up, but they do. Absolutely. And that's there's so much attention to detail, especially in the end credits. Like you stay during the end credits and they have little like little references to the episode that you just watched and you're just like, Oh my god, they have the thing from the earlier in the episode like that's it's so adorable. You know, it's just Oh it is. They reward you for stick sticking through the credits. They really do, and it's always so much fun, so well done. It's always a treat. So thank you, creators, for doing a fantastic job. Now, we're not just going to talk about Bob's Burgers for the entirety of this episode. This is a writing podcast, and we have to get our feet wet. We are going to enter the writer's room with our squeaky whiteboard. Squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. And we are going to have a hand in creating a Bob's Burgers story ourselves. We're going to try this out. For us, this is a very different realm Mm -hmm. because uh, Star Trek has its funny moments, but it's much it's very much a drama, I think. A space drama. Yeah. House of Cards is a very dramatic show. 
again, has a couple of funny moments, but it's not a comedy by any means. No. This is a new venture for us. This is animation, for one thing. Two, it's it's more of a sitcom. We have to come up with something that's going to build a conflict and resolve in half an hour or less. And it's got to be funny. Are you up for this? Yeah, this is going to be, uh, like you said, <laughs> this is going to be new territory. This is going to be difficult. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we might absolutely flop. We have not thought about this. We are improvising on the spot. What you get in this episode is what we're coming up with in real time. Just as a reminder for those who might be new to the podcast, I mean, this is episode four of Punch It, so we should reiterate that. Okay, so the whiteboard is clean. And off we go. We always start off with maybe a focal point character. Now, is there a favorite character that you have of Bob's Burgers? I think Gene episodes are extremely underrated. Oh, absolutely, and he doesn't get enough of them. I agree with that. I feel like Louise is the fan favorite. Mm-hmm. I feel like we get a lot of Louise, and we should because she's a fantastic dynamic character. And I also feel like lately the parents have been, haven't been getting too much love. I agree with this. Now, I do have to say I love it when all three of the kids go on an adventure together. Mm-hmm. Louise definitely gets a lot of attention, I think, because she's kind of the most outspoken, outrageous character. And she is the baby of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jean definitely doesn't get enough love. And it seems like a lot of times Tina's stories are either about boys or horses. <laughs> Not that I have a problem with that, but you're going to get kind of that teen angst story with Tina. Although I do love her friend fact- or her friend fan fiction. Yes, erotic friend fiction. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Thank you. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, I was Tina at 12, definitely. Oh, what's if if we're talking about who was what, my mom is Linda, almost an exact copy. I remember you telling me that a while back, and I absolutely believe it. <laughs> I was raised by Linda Belcher. It's it's insane because I, growing up, my mom was constantly making up songs, just making up songs out of nowhere, singing about whatever she was doing, and was super positive, but at the same time could be extremely pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The world is going to end. Yeah, that kind of thing. And and I just sang. Now you know I can't sing. And on top of that, she, like, Linda has a very distinct laugh and phrases, and my mom has a very loud cackle that's just... It's very warm, but it's very distinct. And whenever, like, Linda says, all right, you know, it makes, it, <laughs> it makes me think of my mom again. So, like, I ha- I, that's another personal connection that I have with the show that makes me enjoy it even more. <laughs> I feel like Linda has two versions of her all right. It's got, like, kind of, like, the high-pitched, like you did, all right. But then she's also got the all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I say what we do is since, I, I, you know, everybody loves the kids. And I say, let's let's have an adventure with all three of them, but Jean is the protagonist. Okay, I can roll with that. I was thinking either we do that or we focus on Bob and Linda as the parents. But the kids are fun. Let's start with the kids because we've not written a Bob's Burgers story before. We can do whatever we want. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, you can convince me to, to focus on Bob and Linda. I love Bob and Linda, and I just said that they don't get enough love. So if you have a, a kernel and idea working around, let's go in that direction. Here's the thing, Tristan, is I don't. We're starting with a blank freaking slate. 
All right. Okay. Let's start with the kids. Okay. Okay. The kids. So possible settings. We've got something possibly happening at school, something happening at the restaurant, something happening at home, or something is happening with their friends and they are going to try to fix it. I'm thinking, let's go into a different direction. Let's do a journey episode. Okay. They're off, they're away, and maybe they have to find their way back home. Where did they go? I don't know. What do you think about that idea? Like where (laughs) we can have the three kids trying to find their way home and Bob and Linda could potentially be looking for them or they don't even know that they're gone. Or I don't know, like it's the kids go on an adventure kind of episode. Okay, okay. I like the idea of the kids going on an adventure. I'm just trying to think of where they could possibly go where maybe they are lost and they have to find their way back. Okay. And why they would do that, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so what about this? They are, we could do something, because this totally happened to me once, where the kids go to a convention. Okay. Okay, so like Tina... Loves the, uh, it's basically My Little Pony, but it's Equestronauts. Is that what it's called? Oh, gosh. It's been a while since I've watched that episode, but I know the episode you're talking about. And yeah, they, it's basically like the Brony episode. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say that it's the year after that where it's another Equestronauts convention, but we don't spend time at the convention because that would be, that, that would be too redundant. Yeah. And so the parents drop off the three kids at the convention and because, like, Louise and Jean just want to get out of the house, and Tina's all about it. And so <laughs> yeah, they go to the convention. They're like, okay, the parents are like, okay, we're going to pick you up later. Yeah, be outside at 530. Right. And then something happens at the restaurant where they can't get back to the convention. So they have their they have Linda's sister go and pick them up. <laughs> oh, I love her, by the way. They call Gail and say, hey, uh, there's a rush at the we- uh, at the restaurant. And we can't get away. Can you pick up the kids for us? And then she says yes, but then she totally flakes out because something happens with her cats and she has to take the cat to the hospital. And she calls and leave, leaves a message on their voicemail, like on their upstairs answering machine. But they're downstairs in the restaurant, and so they don't get the message. And so the kids are at the convention, and they don't have a ride home. Okay, I kind of like where this is heading, but I almost feel like we have to have an adventure within the convention itself. That's sort of where I thought maybe we would head with this, where, yeah, Tina's dressed up and she's all excited because the bad guys who made last year's experience, they're gone this year, they're not here, so it's going to be a good experience and we're all going to have a lot of fun. And like you said, Jean and Louise, they are just there because... They don't, they're going to get out of work for the day, basically. They don't have to help in the restaurant if they go to the convention with Tina. I don't know. Like, I, I, I like your idea of having Tina dressed up and, and like, having Jean and Louise being bored. But I really like the idea of them coming out of the convention center as the beginning of the episode. Because that way it's just kind of a reference to a previous episode. And that way we're not repeating ourselves going, like, really? We're doing another Equestronauts convention episode? You know? Okay. Well, I... I th- could see potential though for having some sort of fun experience like maybe Jean and Louise they get bored so they split off and get lost and maybe Tina freaks out because she's the oldest she's supposed to be in charge and oh my god I gotta find him now and they're sort of on this wild goose chase but 
you're doing that outside of the convention and I'm thinking doing it inside. So <laughs> well, let's okay. Let's combine the two ideas. Okay. So like we start the episode, they're coming out, they're supposed to be picked up and like we, we established the whole, uh, like Bob and Linda calling Gail, Gail flaking out. And then the kids are just waiting there and they keep waiting for some reason. Like, like Tina doesn't have a cell phone. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like we, we, we've already have that established where Tina doesn't have a cell phone. And so they decide to go back in to find a phone. Okay. Okay. Right. That makes sense. And then from there, we can like we can do that journey episode where, but it's within the convention center. So we can we can combine my idea and take it back into the convention center like yours. Okay, that works. Let's do that. Let's roll with that. And we already know the resolution of this episode. The very end is somebody is going to show up and pick up the kids. Or do we? Or do they somehow find a way back to the restaurant on their own? We don't know yet. Oh, we could do that too. I mean, there's definitely episodes like that and like this. The kids get mm-hmm. themselves into messes all the time and it always happens with things like crossed wires like this. This is a this is very Bob's burgers, is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're back in like they're back in the convention hall. They realize that no one's coming to pick them up. They don't have a way to communicate with them. And so do they try to find a phone or do they just enjoy themselves Ooh. until somebody comes along? I have an idea. Their goal is going back into the convention center to find a phone, but they keep getting distracted. So maybe, uh, you know, at first Tina is on focus. She's like, all right, guys, let's find a phone or, you know, let's find somebody who can direct us to a phone. And let's just say, I don't know, we were going to make this a Gene-focused episode. So how maybe Gene is getting distracted by maybe something uh, musical because that's Gene. (laughs) I think we could diversify. I don't think we have to hold fast and, and tight to Gene being the protagonist. It could be a, a three-kid storyline. It's true. It's true. And that might actually be easier on us in the long run. But yeah, let's just, for the sake of things, say that Gene gets distracted. And that makes Louise and Tina impatient. Like, oh, God. Of course he would get into this right now. Like, dude, no, we have to go. Let's go. But they keep getting these weird distractions. And it's kind of funny because... Jean and Louise, they were just being complete brats basically the whole time Tina was trying to have fun. And then they keep finding things that they're interested in when they're supposed to be trying to get home. You see that working out? Here are two things that have popped in my head. Okay. I, I, like, I like the idea of Jean getting distracted with something musical. Where what if... like The beauty of, the, of conventions, and you and I know this, is that it's not... Like, you get to see each other, you get to see other fans, you get to interact with fans. But also, you know, like, there's some behind-the-scenes people and some show creators who, who who come to the conventions as well. Yeah. What if Gene stumbles upon, you know, like, a keyboard somewhere or a piano somewhere? He just starts noodling on it. And someone comes up behind him <laughs> and says, like, hey, that was pretty good. And Gene's like, oh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm, just, uh, I'm just screwing around and everything like that. And so they have this really long, interesting conversation that they just start playing together back and forth and then we find out later that that was the show's composer that's exactly where i thought you were going to be heading with this yes and so and so like what happens like ultimately is that gene maybe there's there's a sequel series to the equestronauts that they're making kind of like how you know like the next generation of equestronauts and <laughs> gene inadvertently creates the theme song for it Oh, that's great, because then Tina knows who this person is because she's such a super fan. 
And she's just enamored, like, do you know who you're talking to right now, Gene? And Louise is just, oh, brother. Well, I think, like, what would be interesting, and I think a little mean, is if we have Louise and Gene have these amazing experiences with these behind-the-scenes creators, and Tina is the one trying to be responsible, and she's not having fun, and it's supposed to be her convention. Yes, I love it. So, like, I don't think that she sees the composer just yet. But the other idea that popped in my head with Louise is that somebody mistakes her for the new character on Equestronauts, like the voice behind the new character, because they heard that they actually got a real kid to do it instead of just a young woman. Okay. And so Louise does it, like, completely lies to her teeth. She's like, yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the new character. Oh, I love it. Yes, because Louise definitely would. She totally would do that. She'd be like, "What do you uh? What do you want to know?" No, I eat with uh, like with Purple Flyer all the time. You know, like we we hang out on Wednesdays. You know, like so- something like that. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And so this huge crowd just comes around her and starts talking to her, and people are interviewing her like with their cell phones and and like what like Do you want to do a podcast with me? You know. <laughs> Yeah, can I interview you for my podcast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sort of thing. Oh, that'd be great. And then maybe, hey, how about this? Meanwhile, Tina does find a phone. She gets in touch with her parents who mm-hmm. say, well, Gail was supposed to come out, but we just found out that she flaked. Or here's an alternative. They find out that she flaked because Tina's calling. Mm-hmm. And because Linda's like, well, aren't you with your Aunt Gail? No, nobody ever showed up. Where are you guys? We had to be at the restaurant. It's kind of busy right now. And so that means, okay, well, stay there. Stay at the convention center. We'll have somebody pick you up. Give me one more hour. And so then it's up to Linda and Bob to find somebody else. And then we've got that going on that end. I like the idea of Tina getting a hold of the parents and them, and them realizing that Gail is flaked. But I think that Bob and Linda, if it got to that point where they're like, what? You're, you haven't left the convention center yet and you're all alone? I think they would like, no matter what was happening... I think they would shut down the restaurant and run over there as fast as possible. Uh, well... I think one thing is that these kids are far too young to be alone at a convention. They really are, yes. So what if we, what if we tweak it just a little bit where Gail is the one that, that was taking them to the convention and then a neighbor called her and like said that there was something wrong with her cat. And then so she says, she's like, you got, you kids are okay, right? And then she just leaves. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That makes that happen. And like, of course, the kids are just like, of course, we're fine. They don't care. And so when Tina calls the parents, that's when the parents freak out. That gives them license to freak out. Yeah. Yeah. The kids get afraid. The parents are freaked out now because Aunt Gail, of course, she flaked out again. Of course mm-hmm. she did. And uh, I think at this point we need kind of a Tina moment where she realizes what she's done. She's just, uh... (laughs) 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 That too. (laughs) Deep down, we all have a piece of Tina in our lives. (laughs) So, okay, so she realizes that, like, okay, Bob and Linda are freaked out. And they, they, they like, maybe they they say, like, Teddy, you're you're in charge of the restaurant. (laughs) This is so great. Yeah. And then they run out, they hop into their car, and they, like, barrel down to the convention center. And then Tina's freaking out because she realizes that the parents are pissed. And, and she realized that she probably got Gail in trouble. They're probably going to get in trouble. And so she's cr- scrambling to find Louise and Jean. And Bob and Linda get to the convention center, but they can't get in because they don't have a badge. Yeah, they don't have a pass. 
So they can't get in there and the kids have not come out to meet them yet mm-hmm. because Linda said, give us at least an hour. So in this hour is our time frame to work with. How about that? Now, meanwhile, while Louise is surrounded by a bunch of people, like, does Tina see this and like, oh, my God, there's a mob around Louise. Yeah. Like, does she get paranoid at this point or is she still cool with that? Or is she like, is she just worried about, oh, no, I gave away that we were here alone all day. We're going to have to answer for this. I think this is this is the shift in tone. This is this is where the stakes are upped. And this is where, uh, the, you know, like the stakes are raised. And so Tina runs to Louise saying, like, we got to get ready for mom and dad. And like she goes through the uh, the crowd, like she tries to work her way through the crowd. And, like everybody's like, wait, your turn. We're talking, you know, we're talking to her first. Yeah. But she's finally able to pull her out of there. And Louise is pissed because she's like, what? I, you know, like, like I had these guys like on the on a string, you know, like I had them dangling. It was so much fun. Like, you guys are so easy. <laughs> Come on, I'm finally enjoying myself. Yeah, exactly. And that's when Tina's like, what? You, you, you can't just pretend to be, you know, like one of the voice actors. It's so wrong. You know, like, you, you can't do that. We got to go find Gene. Yeah, by the way, yeah, where is Gene? What is Gene doing? Cut to that. And that's when we cut to, like, we cut back to the parents. They're trying to get in. And so what they try to do is they try to, they try to do makeshift costumes in order to blend in with a group that's walking in. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because if you remember from the previous episode, Bob tried to absorb as much possible information as he could about this franchise to fit in. Right. And he can. And so he knows Equestronauts. And so he can speak the language. Yes. However, he's got some of that misinformation <sighs> from the fan fiction that's not canon. That's right. So something's going to screw up. He's going to get something not quite right. So... I say they make it in with their makeshift costumes. Now they have to find the kids. And so Tina has Luis by the hand. They're running furiously, trying to find Jean. And that's when they stumble upon like one of those back room convention halls and where like, you know, the panel's over, but yet there's a piano in the corner of the room. And Tina runs up to to Jean and says, like, okay, we gotta go. And then that's when she gets enamored with the composer. Yeah, like <gasps> I know who you are, and you're talk Jean? Really? Yeah. Whoa. So she's starry-eyed now. She's starry-eyed, but then at the same time, like, she says, like, like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And Jean's like, oh, yeah, I just spent the last hour creating the new theme for, for, the, for the sequel show. And he's like, you've been here for an hour just talking with him? And then she goes to the composer, oh, my God, can I get your autograph? And he goes, I'm sorry. Actually, I don't have enough time. I got a dinner to get to. And then he just heads out. She's like, but, but, wait, I, oh. Yeah, I gotta get going. <laughs> Poor Tina. <laughs> Poor Tina. She's yeah. gonna miss out on all this uh, dream come true. Exactly. The poor girl. I kind of hate to torture her, and yet it's it's so easy, and it's so fun. <laughs> I know. It's so much fun. And so she grabs Jean by the hand. She grabs Louise by the hand. The, she's running towards the, the front of the, the entrance hall, and then that's when they collide with one another. But Linda and Bob have their makeshift costumes. And and then, like, they don't recognize them at first. And they're like, Mom? Dad? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And then, uh, I don't know, just for fun's sake, maybe some of uh, Louisa's posse is nearby. And uh, they, they, they realize, oh, you're with them? 
You're with that guy who has this little thing wrong with his costume? He is a fake. Yeah, he's a phony. And then all of a sudden the security guys come and they're like, hey, those guys don't have their badges. So they got to run out there together as a family. That's absolutely the, yes, yes. We got to go. We got to go. So that's the last shot. We have this, we do like an homage to the wild bunch where all, like all five of them are in a line and they're like, they're, they're horizontal and they're running towards the camera in slow motion. And then they pause and they do a slow fade down and the music fades down. And we just have to hope that they've made it out alive, even though security is chasing them behind them. Yeah. Like fade to black and cut to the restaurant where Teddy has made a mess of everything. And he thinks he's doing a really great job of running the restaurant. He's come up with all these really good ideas for the burger of the day. Check this out. And right. like it's bordering on absurd and downright disgusting. And and of course, the place is a huge mess and Bob is going to have to clean it all up. And, just, and then Teddy says, hey, kids, how was the convention? <laughs> You know, Gene and Louise are like, it was great. I had such a good time. And Tina's just, I don't want to go next year. <laughs> we have to have one moment of redemption for Tina, though, because that's what Bob's Burgers does. It's true. Gene pulls something out of his pocket and it's... It's an autograph. Yeah, it's an autograph of like the original liner notes for the original theme song. It was like, Tina, thanks for getting helping to get us home. You would probably enjoy this more than I would. And gives it to her. And gives it to her. And that's when Tina's like, oh my God. And that makes it all worth it for her. I like that because embedded in the very best of Bob's Burgers episodes is like not an in-your-face moral message, but there is a little thing there of something about, I don't know, truth, honesty, loyalty, something important about life. And so that's going to take care of that element. Yeah, like even with, uh, there was one of my favorite episodes is where Linda was stranded out in the middle of, of the woods and had to make her way back home. And she went through hell trying to get home, Get a, got sprayed by a skunk twice. That She had to break through the window to get into her own apartment. And they come up and they say, like, are you okay? She's like, oh, I'm great. I did it all on my own. Like, yeah. I was completely self-sufficient and it was crazy, but I took care of myself. So she had this factor of self-reliance she discovered it that she didn't know that she had that before so it could have just been a let's put through linda through through hell episode but instead it was a i'm stronger than i thought i was episode yeah exactly it's all about perception there so yeah, yeah that's great well there you go Okay, so I don't feel like this is by any means a complete episode of Bob's Burgers. It would have to go through some revision. We'd have to develop it more, exaggerate it a little more maybe. But mm -hmm. this is a great first draft to work with. This is the framework, I feel. You know, uh, guys, one thing that happened a lot in our old show is that there was a few people who would email us and say, hey, do you mind if I write up your idea? This happened. And we are absolutely 100% okay with that. Email us, let us know, give us credit in your script or in your story. Just say, like, based off of an idea from Charlene Schmidt and Tristan Riddell off of Punch It on the Nerd Party. Just put that on the cover page or something like that. Email us a draft, and if we really like it, maybe we'll read it on the air. Hey, that would be a lot of fun. We could do that, publicize the heck out of it. If somebody actually wants to go to that trouble, we would love you. Because there's a lot of details to be worked out here, for sure. Because, like, right now, even just four episodes in, we've given you three episodes to pick from. We give you a TNG episode, a House of Cards prequel, and now a, a Bob's Burgers comedy. So 
this goes from here on out. If you guys are interested, please do that and send it to us. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is all about writing and the appreciation of writing. And so those of you out there, if you have some some fantastic way to flesh these things out, by all means, let us know. We would absolutely love to entertain your ideas because a lot of writing is collaboration. So let's make this happen. It could be a lot of fun. All right. Well, Char, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Oh the Profanity. Where can people find you? You can find me at The Insane Robin, and you can find the show at Join Nerd Party. And please go to thenerdparty.com. There you can find all of our shows. We got a lot of great shows for you to pick from. We got seven shows in total, one coming to you every single day of the week. So please check that out and go to facebook.com slash thenerdparty, which is a great way to interact with us. And please, if you want to send us an email or some show ideas, uh, you can go to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from there, fill out the form. That'll email us both. And uh, one, th- uh, one other thing that you should do is you should go to lootcrate.com slash nerdparty. It's a Geekbox subscription service where you'll get $40 worth of exclusive merchandise of comics, Pop Funkos, T-shirts, action figures, things like that. You get $40 worth of material for less than 20 Go to lootcrate.com slash nerdparty. Enter in code nerdparty at checkout. You'll save even more money off of that. Well, I think this has been a great episode. I think we did a better job than what we thought we were going to do. <laughs> it was more difficult. I've got to admit it. It was. It's hard. Comedy is hard. Drama is easy. Comedy is harder. But I cannot wait to figure out how we punch it next week. Me too. So until then. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.